Today on Better Health, I'm speaking with Dr. Larissa Ferdinand, who is a board-certified OBGYN, women's hormonal health expert, and the chief executive wellness coaching consultant of the Estrogen Doctor Company, LLC. She believes every woman deserves to live a healthy, beautiful life and age gracefully doing so. Her advanced anti-aging training, which includes hormone replacement protocols, metabolic and nutritional medicine, and epigenetics, helps women improve hormone balance to live more productive, powerful, and performance-driven lives through perimenopause and beyond. Her results-driven solutions are highly sought after in her business and speaking engagements. Dr. Larissa is someone I greatly look up to, and I'm so excited for you to listen to today's show. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Alrighty, welcome everybody to Better Health with April. On today's episode, I have the honor to speak with Dr. Larissa. She's an amazing women's health doctor that knows so much. And when I first met her, I was just blown away by her intentionality and how she seeked to understand and how she wanted to genuinely know me. And so I know you're going to find the same traits in her today in this episode. So welcome, Dr. Larissa. Thanks for having me, April. I'm excited to be here. It's an honor. So to kick us off, tell me a little bit about yourself. So where did you grow up and what was your background like in regards to health and your family life? I am a Southern girl. So right now I live in the Orlando area in Florida, but I am from Louisiana, born and raised a city in Northwest corner of Louisiana, Shreveport. Um, but I always say I'm uh, I'm a woman who grew up on both sides of the north and the south of Louisiana. Anybody from Louisiana will tell you the further down you go south on the interstate, either you get a total change of culture or a transition change of culture and definitely change of intellect. You know, I've even had someone yeah. say, oh, you don't talk like you're from the swamp. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so... Um, I, uh, born and raised, that's where my parents still live. Um, I have um, siblings uh, that kind of spread out. One is still in uh, Louisiana, other um, in Texas and, and Georgia. Um, and uh, still a lot of family that's there. And um, I grew up in the health surrounding that many people may relate to, which is uh, a mixture of home cooked meals and good food because we do know how to eat in Louisiana. Oh, and yeah. I grew up on cleaning plates. Oh, <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> and, um, so, with that, um, growing in that lifestyle and mm-hmm. culture and the relationship and connection often was something centered around an occasion or food. Mm-hmm. So, with that, um, became those struggles with either weight or body image or some other things later on in life where I really had to learn on my own um, better nutritional habits. Now, right. don't get me wrong, when I go to Louisiana, I want my certain <laughs> staples, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, those are kind of ingrained, but um, still, that's pretty much how health was. And, you know, exercise mm-hmm. was pretty much 
you know, we went outside, you know, mm -hmm. we were, you know, the coming of the Nintendo generation soon, we yes. still chose to be outside mm -hmm. and um, PE, you know, when PE was really PE in school. So <laughs> that's the extent of that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's neat. It's always good to hear about the background of, you know, how people grew up and what their life was like with health compared to now and knowing that you are in the health realm, what got you into it? Good question. Mm -hmm. So I can't say that, oh my goodness, I wanted to be a doctor all my life. You know, I wore a stethoscope, like Dr. McStuffins when I grew up or something. Um, I grew up uh, where education was very um, drilled in, very important. Um, my mom and dad were college graduates and built up in that surrounding where, um, hey, as long as you have a good education, you can mm -hmm. decide to do what you wanted to do. Um, at the time before I had a, another cousin who became a doctor before me, the only doctor I knew of was uh, my uncle, um, who was a dentist and um, was a wonderful, uh, just catered to my intellect, just all, you know, just a wonderful person. Um, but I, I went from being a computer program to a teacher to, <laughs> you know, um, some people could give a generic answer of how I just, you know, wanted to grow to help people. But I think ultimately it was an, an evolution of uh, enjoying certain things like math and science, which mm -hmm. is amazing because I think medical mm -hmm. school blew out my math concept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can, I can relate. <laughs> went so far and just, I don't know. Um, but it was a marrying of the two and still being able to interact with uh, people and then um, exhalating to, oh, okay, well, mm -hmm. being a doctor could be a right field because I knew I did want to be a nurse. So, okay, what, what kind of marries the two of those better mm -hmm. for me where I can still have some clinical applications? So. Interesting. Wow. So you were a teacher. I was a fourth grade teacher. So that's. No, I wanted to be a teacher. That's you the thing wanted I went to be one. From. I went, I went for, I can't say I always wanted to be a doctor, but okay. I had those like, oh, maybe I could do this. Maybe right. I could do that. You know, so by the end of high school going into mm -hmm. college, I had, you know, pretty much idea, well, you know, I'm going to go for a physician, but was very open my first year uh. of, of college. I went to Xavier University in Louisiana, yay, XU. So I'm going <laughs> highlight of that. Um, but literally I was like, okay, if this doesn't work the first year, I got to change my major, you know, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know it, it ended up working out. They had a really cool. strong pre-med program. So got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you work a lot with women and you specifically work with them and their hormones. Um, what is a common, um, theme that you find when women come in and you help them? What do you notice is a common theme amongst all of them? Um, that's a really good question and a loaded question in some ways. Um, so let me tell a little bit of my background. So I yes. am an OBGYN by trade, um, board certified, um, have been in practice and since um, finishing residency and um, had a mixture of seeing private practice, hospital-based practice, as well as community-based multi-specialty mm. practice. And um, so being able to encounter women at different stages of their lives, mm -hmm. of course, you end up seeing <laughs> oh, yes. a lot. So, right. and extension of that. So I, I mean, if I had to break it up and I think mm -hmm. it's important um, when we talk about doing those reproductive stages and mm -hmm. kind of that in between perimenopause stage and that menopause stage, 
and then you know some of the chords that may be the same so um it's hard to just pick just one but when it comes to seeing your gynecologist most of the time people Mm -hmm. either want their well woman exam getting their pap smear or we're talking about some kind of vaginitis vaginal discharge bleeding um, pregnancy, of course, you know, mm. kind of thing, and usually fears about pregnancy, what to expect, because mm-hmm. there's so much information out there, and you just want a very dialed in perspective from, you mm-hmm. know, the authority you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I would say between those, it's always that question of, okay, my hormones off, you know, what's mm. going on here? What should I expect? You know, one mm-hmm. of it was always, around whatever period of time what what should I expect you know what Mm -hmm. what is something in particular that um, may be concerning them even from if it's a vaginal health question versus a general um, breast or uh, reproductive organ question or you know women who Mm -hmm. are ready to get pregnant and this is all out of you know the schematic of the I mean OBGYN is a very Mm -hmm. full spectrum so excuse me um so hopefully that kind of answers but it's a loaded totally. one it's a you know totally. we're women we want it's a little bit of everything oh yeah <laughs> we're we're complicated <laughs> that's okay uh, the backbones is, i don't know what the world would do without us <laughs> oh yes exactly exactly so mm-hmm. thinking in regards to balancing hormones can you give a little background on uh-huh. what the hormonal system looks like for a woman okay so um so there are different stages of course with a woman and a large part of our hormones are um, developed from our sex organs, but our main control center is our brain. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of communication when it comes from the brain to answering things from our uh, reproductive organs. And you have different other hormonal clocks within your body as well. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about your um, after puberty and menarche, which is the age that a girl is just starting her menstrual cycle, Um, there is a prominent um, uh, amount of change that has to do with her estrogen, her progesterone, uh, testosterone. A lot of people don't like to talk about around that time Mm -hmm. frame. Um, And um, what we know is kind of like that normal menstrual cycle that permeates into the reproductive age uh, Mm -hmm. or cycle until you get to probably 40s, mid 40s, we have more erratic changes because when you get into menopause, that's when you're getting more of the cessation of your periods, a, a significant decrease of your uh, reproductive hormones. And thus, you know, there's two different scales and spectrum of, okay, one is permeated about one and um, one end as opposed to the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always tell people, no matter what, hormones are the biggest contributors or one of the biggest contributors of your body, vital functions biologically, and they're impacted by so much outside of just the biological clock. Mm-hmm. It's uh, impacted a lot by the environment of which they mm-hmm. thrive in. Um, and thus what I... Um, (laughs) um, we're laughing because we had a little mini conversation about my Rottweiler who decides that you know he's been sitting at my lap (laughs) so anyway so I'll just end it there (laughs) perfect you're great (laughs) so when it comes to I'm thinking about you know women in their Mm -hmm. 20s early 30s you know that prime reproductive reproductive Mm -hmm. age Mm -hmm. um, what does balancing hormones look like for them Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's an interesting question. You're going to get different answers to this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's very important that I'm clear about every, everyone has individuality of mm -hmm. the environment that their hormones are going to be in. Um, there are definitely some broad strokes and threads that you can put in there. Um, but many of the things that women relate to and mm -hmm. really trying to dial in on something more specific is the experience of when their hormones are off track. And the, and the, and the thing is, in our traditional medical se setting, um, we're only majority of the time testing based on probably the more evident symptoms. Um, so for instance, this is PCOS awareness month. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just jot that in there okay. where you have a significant multi-hormonal imbalance. Um, so if someone is displaying irregular periods or no periods at all for several months, mm -hmm. um, acne, oily skin, mood changes that are more erratic with PMS or, or mm -hmm. something, um, a lot of hair growth, then we're more inclined to do testing or initially because usually these are patterns that may permeate for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, many times just based on a clinical history, um, there's a gauge immediately of which type of hormonal um, imbalance, which a lot of people may notice in this age is PMS. Mm -hmm. This is a time frame where many women may be diagnosed with endometriosis or misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are all hormone, particularly dominant, um, processes or, uh, things that can affect women in their reproductive age and therefore their, um, their potential fertility. Mm, yeah. Right. And do you find that, you know, estrogen, like excess estrogen, also known as like estrogen dominance, is that a common commonality among women? and causing, you know, low progesterone and PMS symptoms? Mm -hmm. um, yes. And, and the thing is, when we use estrogen, sometimes we are estrogen dominant. Mm -hmm. um, we have to be careful how we use those terms as well, because and mm -hmm. uh, and not trying to get too scientific here or right. anything, but on a very cellular level, um, there are certain things that are being done where whatever hormone system or hormone excess that could be present mm -hmm. actually can change how your cells receive what you mm -hmm. call like on the receptors or, or, or people out there that how your hormones communicate with a cell. So that can be inside mm -hmm. a cell or outside the cell. And there are many mechanisms that can be involved with that, even on a genetic level, what's exposed environmentally. Mm -hmm. And so when we use um, estrogen dominant or low progesterone, we have to kind of look at the big picture mm -hmm. because it may be that you're finding more estrogen related symptoms and something else mm -hmm. to be more of the culprit. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, many women could, you know, move, you know, it's I always mm -hmm. say it's either too little or too much in whatever spectrum <laughs> you're going to, you're going to get some kind of behavioral change. Uh, moods, uh, irregular bleeding, a lot of people may either have, um, a lot of excess bleeding mm. or the lack of bleeding for several cycles or tend to skip cycles, mm. um, skin changes, uh, overall, um, behavioral tends to be one of those things like, Hey, I just don't feel right. Mm. I'm bloated. I feel like I'm picking on pounds or packing right. on pounds a little bit more. Um, and a lot of those things could be, uh, because of some of those excess type estrogenic pathways. Mm. 
Interesting. Interesting. And so I know that you probably use a some various markers when it comes to your practice and, mm-hmm. you know, looking at where a woman, woman is at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. I know you use epigenetics. Um, mm-hmm. What are, can you explain a little bit about that and some other tests mm-hmm. that you use? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think this is a good time to kind of uh, put out there what I am doing now. So yeah, um, I, <laughs> I am an OBGYN, but I've transitioned where uh, a lot of what I'm doing were things that I was instituting within my practice, but found it uh, in some ways was very challenging to really integrate some of those practices. Mm-hmm. So within my, um, my hormonal coaching and consulting programs that I work with women, uh, I'm, uh, there's a landfill of things that we can be able to tap into, um, mm-hmm. of which I've had interest in for uh, for quite some time, and tried mm-hmm. to institute little by little within my um, my mainstream practice before. Mm-hmm. So one of the particular tools that you had touched on is understanding someone's epigenetics or doing a genomic profile. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a very detailed report, which we won't be able to, of course, be able to <laughs> nail down everything within it. But yeah. in the greatest sense of things, it's um, the study of how our genes are affected by chemical factors, environmental factors, nutritional stress, and their impact of gene expression mm-hmm. and switching genes on and off without necessarily changing the gene structure itself. So um, this has lots of implications and has a lot of research surrounded about this. And we're still learning a lot about it mm-hmm. um, and how can it impact where, for an example, April, you can sit in a way of um, the transgenerational effects. Many of the times that this has always been like, okay, everybody has <laughs> their like pet peeve that most of the time I am prescribing a prenatal is after a woman's pregnant, but it's mm. called a prenatal, right? <laughs> so right. You know, it's one of those things where it was technically intended to help with any supplemental factors or micronutrients that a woman would need in a pregnancy, but epigenetics research and some of the things that have to do with understanding the genome since it was, um, since it was completely um, read and documented, Mm-hmm. had to do with understanding how these things impact us mm-hmm. and at a very um you know cellular level or you know our bodies are such a complex mechanism right. it's to understand like oh my goodness you know these are transgenerational effects that means that mm-hmm. my great grandmother i still have particular epigenetic marks and right. that makes a difference when we're talking about um um, things that we've been exposed to, whether there's been uh, severe starvation periods two generations mm. ago versus um, their implications, even when we're, we're talking about institutional racism and stress in women or in the mm. workplace. I mean, like all of those things kind of tie mm. into particular uh, epigenetic marks that mm. also imply, okay, whether a certain genes are turned on or turned off. Wow. Wow. So, you know, many women, when, you know, they're having hormonal issues, a lot of times it can stem all the way back a few generations. um, And that will ultimately have an impact on, you know, their hormones and their fertility and their ability to conceive. And 
Yes, and not only that, I think the most important thing is understanding that one, uh, now that we know certain sequences and understand how these proteins and are expressed from our genomic patterns, mm-hmm. um, we can be able to make effective change. So for someone in their preconception period um, where I can work with women and really understand, okay, these are things or micronutrients or this is what your body tends to do. Mm-hmm. You're able to really dial down more specifically other than, oh, okay, I'm just going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're actually increasing and improving the odds of the health of reduction of inflammation and chronic disease for even generations to come. Mm-hmm. And I know we have kind of like this microwave society and it's hard to kind of think that way, but I think it's really ideal. And I really think it's important because part of my movement is really redefining the mindset of women in health and wellness. That's what the future female looks like. So she's mm-hmm. going to embrace not only her career and her passions, but embrace that um, whatever that is, it, mm-hmm. you, you're going to bring the newest innovation. You're going to bring more knowledge into it. You're going to, really understand how these things impact not only today, but so much of what goes on beyond the womb later. Hmm. Wow. So you're saying that, you know, knowing your genetic makeup and, you know, what may have occurred beforehand and looking at your epigenetic profile, Mm -hmm. women can make changes and they can reverse that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, with certain patterns. And when I work with women, we can um, definitely go in a little bit more mm-hmm. detail, but, and, and it's the probability of it because we are basically made of, of similar genetic, um, or our gene makeup is mm-hmm. pretty much the same across the board. However, because 1% of that genetic makeup could be a variation, mm-hmm. um, it definitely implies that there's a different mechanism or a different production of a particular protein or a particular sequence that translates into what we call a medical word of phenotype, but basically an expression of something different, you know, and it could be just one alternation or one particular change. And so with that, it gives you a little, I mean, you want to get, you know, a lot more information that on the front end, I believe, Mm -hmm. to help you with any type of hormonal imbalance or any, you know, particular um, um, thing that when it comes to health and wellness, because many of Mm -hmm. us, I mean, we're in the COVID era, you know, let's, Mm -hmm. you know, call the elephant like it is. Mm -hmm. And um, many women want to concentrate on improving their immunity and reducing their inflammation and reduction of, you know, stress and that impact. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that has to be extended more than what you might be exposed to in any particular clinical setting. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Hmm, so interesting. And I know a lot of women that, you know, in their 20s, maybe early 30s, looking to get pregnant. And it seems to be a common theme that many women are struggling with infertility and actually conceiving, and it's harder than they thought it would, and it's taking longer. Um, so when women come to you, you know, what are some of the first steps that you take with them to, you know, help them get to the point of conceiving? Yeah, good question. Um, so I'm a big one on getting, you know, detailed focal assessment. Mm-hmm. And that's not only physical, but lifestyle, because one thing in this environment of understanding how hormones work and how 
they're pretty much the horse whispers and the hidden figures behind of a lot of our biological functions, um, in particular how they are impacted. And at a level where it, we're able to take it a step further um, of understanding, okay, is this a, a particular gut issue? Is this um, because, you know, that's our second brain, uh, the yeah. brain uh, gut axis? Right. Or is this something that not only, uh, what I find is that some routine tests might not have not even mm. been done or not, you know, particularly educated in a way. Um, but for those who have exhausted everything, yeah. um, that epigenetic evaluation might be that next step further. Well, you know, mm. it can add more pieces to the puzzle because unfortunately, a larger part of infertility are unknown diagnosis. Mm. And that's so frustrating as an OBGYN when, yeah. you know, you've, you've tried and you've done different things and you really can't point to anything mm. in particular um, but for those things that we can be able to reverse or help and improve the odds, sometimes it takes just looking at it from a different lens, um, seeing how that impacts. You asked before, what's another test I work with women, like the Dutch test, which is a mm. functional test of, okay. you know, evaluation of um, hormonal metabolites in the urine. And um, really being able to just think outside of the scope of, okay, if this is someone preparing for surgery, trying to get pregnant, or someone who has done IVF, you know, they want to be able to try different things and exhaust um, particular testing out there, then that's mm -hmm. where I feel like I come in. Because by that time, mm -hmm. a lot of women are kind of like, okay, what else particularly can I do? And it's not the fact mm -hmm. of necessarily, hey, you're going to get pregnant. It's more of, hey, there could be just one more thing that hasn't been looked mm -hmm. at that could totally you know change your perspective or just having a second you know set of eyes right. of looking at that story because it's 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 traumatic for a woman it's, oh, it's very traumatic i bet i bet and you know knowing from the women in my life i agree and i'm sure you've seen so much more and you know it's it's yeah it's too bad and you know the continuous hopelessness of women that face that it's it's a struggle um and then like thinking about you know, when a woman does conceive, you know, the, the possibility of miscarriage oftentimes occurs. And there's so many women that struggle with that as well. What does that look like? And can you give a little background on what you've noticed with that, whether it's hormonal or, you know, nutrients or what, what are your thoughts? Um, it's a little bit of all of what you uh, described and it's combining some of the answer um, about what I may do with them with the focal assessment, mm -hmm. other testing that can be done. But what's involved in that is you have, what I find is that many women may decide to get pregnant right away. And I think that is a missed opportunity. Like, okay, well, let's get your body, you know, ready because it might not have been at the most pristine time to get pregnant then. Um, but I believe, you know, there's a bigger power above us that navigates those things. But if there's something that we can do, particularly, um, and because it can be so traumatic, if it's that one thing post the miscarriage, and especially if it's multiple ones, I'm always asking, okay, have you had therapy? Have you addressed any of this trauma? Because it's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, not trying to be graphic, some women miscarry at home. That's mm -hmm. a lot of that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of yeah. you know, 
like unexpected. You could have just had a night that was beautiful and wake up to something different. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it changes like these hopes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's what I like to, no matter whether, you know, I'm I'm working with a a target audience of my perimenopausal and menopausal women uh, with women pursuing their careers Mm-hmm. later on in life where you're getting like this late in age going into um, late 20s early 30s really you know trying to form that family there's a lot that has happened mm-hmm. up until yeah. that point so if we can be able to optimize you know optimize their health optimize their body it is my belief that we are improving their outcomes they're really mm-hmm. improving their their body ready to have a baby because mm-hmm. um the scary t- statistic i hate to say that um literally when a woman gets pregnant she's she's literally at the brim of life and death all at the same mm-hmm. time and that's what they believe in certain cultures mm-hmm. and um to be able to be, you know bring life into the world is a beautiful thing but with mm-hmm. that it comes a big burden and risk on a woman and um and not being able to fulfill that hope or dream, no matter the risk, we want to make sure that now we're looking at it from an eye or a vantage point of how can we optimize this opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. and whether it's from, you know, looking at a whole body connection, whether it's mind, you know, whether it's, you know, need to drop pounds and lose weight mm-hmm. because women, we, we carry that 40% obesity mm-hmm. rate in America, you know, mm-hmm. and that means high inflammation, high toxicity and everything. And so <laughs> miscarriage and complications in pregnancy are higher in, in, in obese women. So not to kind of, you know, belabor and give you a long answer, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it's it's a lot that goes into that, and when you're dealing with someone who's had, who's trying to get pregnant on one end, and a little bit later than you know, I guess deemed or when they wanted to, mm-hmm. or dealing with someone um, who's had a miscarriage, either one of those things is a stress on the body. <laughs> and then the pregnancy on top of it is just uh. you're stirring up a nice brew here, and so it's just to really understand how that whole body connection and really addressing the trauma where it is. Um, because I believe women, you know, need to have the opportunity to heal. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, that's, it's a lot. And I love the answer you gave. You had so much detail to it and mm-hmm. it would give a lot of information to other women out there that are listening and mm-hmm. um, trying to kind of give them hope a little bit over the whole situation. Um, now, something I feel like isn't talked about as often is post-pregnancy. So mm-hmm. let's say a woman just gave birth. Um, and it's really just kind of like, oh, you gave birth and you're done. That's all. And uh-huh. that's not probably the case. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? And um, what do what should women do after they give birth to nourish their bodies? Uh, first, get help. I don't <laughs> know why. And that's my thing that I even mention in my talks or if I have some kind of range of women like at some point, and I'm guilty, and I'm not even someone that's going to say that, oh, I am not that person. Mm-hmm. No, we have like this badge of honor that we oh, can yeah. do it all, do it. All. And not saying we, we can't, but you know mm-hmm. what? The most successful women I'm guilty know too. how to get help, mm-hmm. know how to get the support you need. And then those who don't, there are resources out there. But what I found is the power of asking. You're always six degrees from the information that you really need anyway, or the question that needs to be asked. 
So um, support is big. It's big. I mean, I, I had my first child in, uh, in Florida and it was just my husband and I and um, my, all my family was still away. I had a good supportive work family, which was great. Um, but, you know, literally, if, if I didn't ask, you know, I was when I even hired a postpartum doula and they're starting um, particular programs in different states where women don't have to pay for it. But mm-hmm. just to have that kind of support. Yeah, I'm OBGYN, but you know what? I, I'm trying to breastfeed. I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to do all this. You know, yeah. no amount of education in medical school could still prepare you for this little person who is completely dependent on you. <laughs> so support is big. And understand your hormones are completely like erratic and have dropped when that placenta comes out. So it is a major change um, that biologically on a hormone level, some of the things you, you won't be able to naturally help immediately. So when you're setting up nurturing environments that reduces your stress response, that allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable, but you know, be graceful in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. some people, you know, they get, they, and I get it, you know, you get so frustrated even within that first few weeks, like, you know, like, but you know what? I don't know about you, but I didn't know, I didn't learn calculus in third grade, you know, for all those prodigies out there, I'm not talking to you, but still, you know, this is, this is complex. This is a little person. So um, we put a lot of effort on trying to be it, be everything in all things Mm -hmm. and giving yourself grace in that time period and really, you know, enjoying that gift that, you know, just the Mm -hmm. opportunity to be a mother Mm -hmm. um, should, you know, you just need the help and the support and understanding of this is a new time period and give yourself that grace. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. And so you mentioned that our hormones drop off after, you know, we give birth. And so getting back to a regular cycle, Mm -hmm. what are some steps women can take to, Mm -hmm. you know, regulate their cycle back to normal or normal? Um, Good question. Um, I am going to separate it a little bit because you did touch on nutrition um, before, and I think this is a good time to bring that in and nutrition always plays a part. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things, if if it's a breastfeeding mom, she may not have her period immediately. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes for several months or during the time of breastfeeding, a large portion of women do not have cycles. So mm-hmm. um, most of that time is really trying to cater to nourishing your body and nourishing the baby. Um, mm-hmm. And with that, it's interesting. I had a great lactation consultant um, and um, props to what she did because I was one that I knew the benefits. I knew everything was great with breastfeeding, but I had that support of mm. someone just really, you know, helping me out with that. Um, uh, but essentially, when you're talking about normalizing cycles and normalizing, that's a time period where women, if they decide to not breastfeed, they can start their period within the first couple mm. of months after um, having a baby. And I always say that first period is usually the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but if they've had a normal cycle before, then they're picking back up. And then you have the third one. Mm-hmm. They're just like, okay, I just had a baby. What kind of birth control? Okay, I need to know mm-hmm. some kind of birth control. And, um, and there are many different types of birth control that are out there. Um, and all of them have their particular side effects right. um, that may or may not prompt a cycle. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I'm a proponent for, okay, that woman having a choice and they're non-hormonal and hormonal types of birth control. But I think the best decision is an informed decision. Right. And a woman really understanding what are the benefits and the risks and finding a birth control or contraception best for them. Because at the end of the day, it's hard and you don't want to think about, hey, you know, I know mm -hmm. I want something to prevent and I know I can't depend on my mind mm -hmm. <laughs> or anything. So, um, and the risk for a woman, and especially with the statistics of um, postpartum complications in the U.S. is, uh, is very high and has mm -hmm. really garnered a lot of public attention over the past few years um, because of some of the maternal, not only near death incidents, but actual maternal deaths. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, you, it becomes more of trying to make sure the mom is safe and that, you know, we, mm -hmm. uh, that um, she's progressing well beyond the postpartum period and depression. That's a big one, mm -hmm. um, which can be diagnosed within the first year after postpartum, uh, so yeah. uh, after having a baby. So uh, it becomes less of an issue. The periods right away is all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other factors at that moment. <laughs> Period is the least of it. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, it ultimately, ultimately comes down to, you know, taking responsibility over your health and making mm -hmm. sure you're informed before you make a decision. And mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably difficult at that time when you don't have much of your hormones going on and yeah, you know you might be struggling with depression or whatever. So maybe even taking those steps ahead of time before yeah. you are even mm -hmm. giving birth to have yeah. informed decisions in place mm -hmm. yes. would be best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And wow. we definitely try to highlight those within the prenatal course for women who have had cool. the prenatal care this uh, you know, definitely conversations that come up, but you know, and it, it gets busy in the OB arena. So I, you know, one of the things that I always tell women, you know, be armed with your questions, come in because there's a mm -hmm. such thing as prego brain. You could have thought of it in the car and you would have left the office and, oh, I meant to ask the doctor this, <laughs> you know, just come in there armed yeah. and ready um, because there's a lot of information. And then you have mama and everybody mm -hmm. else telling you what to do and sometimes it's just overwhelming and gets kind of confusing mm -hmm. yeah that's, <laughs> that's great it really sounds like you know you focus on you know helping to inform women give them an informed decision or information to make that decision i should say mm -hmm. and you approach it in the whole approach of like taking multiple markers to mm -hmm. help the woman um, whether it's regulating their hormones or pregnancy or fertility, whatever it may be, you just seem to cover all the bases and mm -hmm. genuinely care and have that intention to help women. So that's awesome. Um, so what are a few key takeaways before we lead into our rapid fire questions that you would have for listeners? Um, my key takeaway is that regardless of where you are in life and when it comes to being a woman, my big thing is really understanding the, what the future female looks like and what is the, I mean, the current female look like, and that's really embodying and taking health um, and your wellness in your own hands into another level. Mm -hmm. um, and many of the things might be definitely outside of your traditional clinical setting. And with that, you're going to be arming yourself with the better tools that I offer women when I work with them, because um, by the time you get into your 40s or 50s, there's a major hormonal shift and change 
mm-hmm. that can elicit more of those profound effects mm-hmm. that maybe joint instability, the battle of the bulge, the lack of mm-hmm. confidence and mood behavior changes. Because at the same time, we're also dealing with life struggles. I mean, one, we have COVID and stuff going on now, mm-hmm. but I mean, these are different ages um, that are defined by um, taking care of our parents, um, taking mm-hmm. care of our children, homeschooling now or virtual, what have you, um, and still trying to step in our careers, you know, really mm-hmm. trying to show up for that as well and drive the passions in our life. And, and this is my passion. I, I really believe women um, can have the life longevity and the lifestyle that they deserve, um, mm-hmm. but you have to take a more whole body approach of doing so. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said before, you're only so many degrees, very small degrees from that right question or the right information that you need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need a new perspective, a new way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. And um, this has been, you know, a good conversation. I mean, I mean, I can talk about this all oh. day. <laughs> so oh, like, yeah. There's so many other questions. Zone. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> my comfort zone. But yeah, um, really. And seeing mm-hmm. how innovation and technology is really taking it to the next level. So yeah. Uh, embracing that definitely embracing our design capabilities you know we we're capable of so much and Mm -hmm. you know we've been blessed to be able to do all that and it's a key of you know optimizing that and how Mm -hmm. can we use all those capabilities to our fullest extent absolutely because it's endless Mm -hmm. possibilities once you tap into the right direction you know a series of the right choices can um, daily compound to mm. just greater success with your goals and whatever your health journey may be. Definitely. Well, on to, you know, the most, the <laughs> most extensive questions, <laughs> the ones that you're really going to have to think through. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so who is the most influential woman in your life? Or, you know, maybe it changes day to day, or maybe you had one that is no longer around. Um, I would love to know who you're most influential is. Um, yeah. And so we, I'm gonna preface it by saying we had a mini conversation before and I told her, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but I feel like <laughs> these days, you know, my influencers, you know, change from <laughs> week to week. They're still influencers, but still like, gosh, you know, I just read this wonderful thing, you know? Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I would say of most recent are those women that I have surrounded myself with. Mm. Um, they are good friends and family members who have supported me within this transition within my own life, but we're kind of buffering each other through our own transitions. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that is highly influential in my life mm-hmm. right now. And I believe iron shoppings, iron, all, all, okay. uh, rising tides with all boats. And like, literally it has been a collective corporate effort of, you know, just good friends and good mm-hmm. relationships and good connections. So I will say that that has been very strong influence mm-hmm. in my life right now. Yeah. It's important to have the counseling of others because we can't rely on our own. <laughs> yeah. And godly wisdom. I'm like, oh my yes, I'm definitely. I hear you. Amen to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right. So what is your favorite food? My favorite food, um, Gosh, so, and I know we talked about nutrition, I talked mm-hmm. about hormone balance and all this, so this is my rapid fire question, so I'm <laughs> going to say, because I'm a Louisiana girl, things that I like, so um, I'm going to have to pick two that are just, like, 
a given staple if my daddy's cooking it i'm gonna have mm. some and um good greens and cornbread will save me any Ugh. day i'm one of those southern yes. gals <laughs> um and um i love a good seafood po' boy Mm. Oh, so. I, I hear you. I've been down in the South, not Louisiana uh-huh. specifically, but I've been to, you know, restaurants in the South that have that Bayou flavor yeah. and, oh man, yes. <laughs> you can't okay. go wrong with it. A good seafood etouffee. Oh. Mm-hmm. Good one. I actually make a good one. Oh. And it's interesting because I love those, but I love different fusions. I love mm. the authentic flair of any good, you know, um, none retail restaurant oh yeah and i think because i come from those roots of that i appreciate mm. other flavors and fusions mm. so much more like i love sushi you know like Ugh. i love you know type yes. of indian foods and thai mm-hmm. i mean oh my goodness but oh, but yeah. i will take those two i mean if you want to make me happy <laughs> then yeah those two yeah perfect i'm coming to your house for <laughs> for a dish of it <laughs> um are you a past present or future thinker Oh, I'm a future thinker. I'm such a visionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I don't have that biblical context as well. You know, <laughs> without a vision, I believe people will perish, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, favorite travel destination or your dream destination? Ooh, so I'm going to go with dream destination. Um, yes. My husband and I always talk about Fiji, you oh. know. So. <laughs> The turquoise um, beaches. Yes, yes. So <laughs> maybe one day I'll make it there. That and you know Bali. Um, mm. So those, yeah. That's if we had to talk about one that like, hey, we want to get to and just mm. visiting Africa. You know, like really Ugh. visiting, like yes, from coast to coast, like taking oh, time and doing that. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't pick one. It's always a top three. <laughs> so true. I'm, I'm the same way where it's like, you could tell me we're going so-and-so and I'd be down because yeah. there'd be something that I'd look forward to with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and other cultures is a beautiful thing. Oh, I love it. Love it. Um, and if you had unlimited funds, what health gadgets or tools would you buy? Ooh, that's a good <laughs> one. Um, so like the, like they have um, different levels of Garmin watches. There's a Garmin Phoenix, and mm. I think it 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 has different different models, even higher than that now. But it like literally measures all kind of stuff. But I'm one that I embrace technology, and I see all that it does. But on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. I have you know I, I'm practical, and I need mm-hmm. what I need, and be able to do what I need to do. Um, so I like that. Um, I I would enjoy like um, they have all these fancy biometric things like oh, where you have to actually go into the clinic and run on a treadmill mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like I would love to just have one of those yeah. at home. And as I build my practice out, that's my plan mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, to have those because there's so much that you can gather from that information and from that fitness level. So, I mean, I plan to get definitely as things grow out within the next year for sure. Totally. Uh, great answers. Great answers. Mm-hmm. So uh, this has been an amazing interview. How can listeners connect with you, Dr. Larissa? Oh, great. Great. So this has been good. I, I mean, excellent April. And uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your journey. We've had a couple of mini conversations even prior to this. And so listeners out here that she has a passion 
And um, it's a beautiful thing. And even um, our conversations have been very authentic. Mm -hmm. And I'm a connection type person. So I sense those type of things and mm -hmm. someone's there. So I kind of want to put that out in the atmosphere, wow. yeah, um, you, you know, let you receive it. We, you know, we need to lift each other up. Mm -hmm. um, but www.drlarisa, that's um, D-R for the doctor part, L-A-R-E-E-S-A.com. Mm -hmm. I put and it in the show can, notes as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And um, you can also find me on social media handles mm -hmm. of Dr. Larissa as well, and pretty much Instagram, um, LinkedIn, Facebook. And I have a private Facebook group called the Future Female mm -hmm. Power Performance Group, um, where I'm actively a participant in that you can mm -hmm. definitely join. Um, and if you want to work with me individually, yes. um, it'll be in the show notes, a discovery call um where we'll see hey have a good conversation mm -hmm. if anything and see if we're a good fit for i can ch help transform your life yeah. and um take it to that next level mm -hmm. um and you know if you're ever in orlando area then that's <laughs> where i am <laughs> i love that awesome great ways to connect those yes will definitely be in the show notes mm -hmm. i am sure any woman that works with you it is such a blessing because you genuinely care and you are so knowledgeable and mm -hmm women will be able to sense that when they're with you. And I'm sure from this episode as well. So yes, we'll definitely have that in the show notes because mm -hmm. you're a great connection to have. So well, thank you so much. It was yes, a pleasure. Yes, yes, it has been good. So thanks everyone. Good luck.